This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. This is Peter Horowitz from Motive Labs. I'm here with Nick Heller from Fractal Labs. I was lucky enough just to hear Nick speak about Fractal Labs during one of our curated discovery presentations and knew about Fractal Labs before the presentation and was fascinated. So just by way of introduction, Nick, can I start off by asking you, why did you choose this particular business problem to attack? And then how did you shape Fractal Labs' solution for the problem? Well, thanks for having me, Peter. It's good to meet you in in person. We really started this business based on sort of the state of play of, of the economy, you could say. And it dates back actually to how I started my career off, which was as a fixed income trader in the 90s, back in Toronto, Canada, where I'm from. And back then, we used to be trading bonds, treasuries, in a very data-driven way, and using tools like Bloomberg terminals and, and Reuters terminals. And you know, fast forward 20 years with the growth of the internet, the growth of cloud computing, the accessibility of data, regulatory changes like open banking, digital tax here in the UK coming into play next year, STS regulation in uh, in Europe next year, which is around securitization. Um, it's all focused on data and how data is more accessible now. But when you look at the market, it's actually still quite nascent in terms of financial institutions using that data in a very intelligent way to make real-time or near-real-time or quick decisions around profiling, decisioning, and pricing, specifically of, of credit. And, you know, again, back to my career as a fixed income trader, uh, which, by the way, only lasted about four years before I got into tech um, and was enamored by the, the innovation that was happening on the internet. So I guess we as small business owners ourselves. So we struggle with accessing our data easily, at least we did previous to starting this business, Uh, but equally access to capital as we were growing, we thought there's gotta be a better way and knowing what we know with our financial knowledge, with our technology, understanding uh, our our view of where the world is going, we thought we should address this because it's not only us, we're talking about you know, 50% of most countries' GDPs are small, medium-sized businesses and 75% of the workforce. So if you think about how you can make a massive economic impact, it's really about using data in an intelligent way in the private markets, not the public markets, in the private markets, to help remove some of the friction in financial services so that the SMEs can grow and prosper and in turn economies can grow and prosper. Given that's the one, the problem as well as the, your approach, how does uh, Fractal Labs approach the solution differently than everyone else? I think our heritage being a real sort of data company but also understanding what tools and technologies are available in the market, sort of the art of the possible. Combining those two things, I think what we've come up with is a very innovative solution that services not only the small business, 
but also their financial services providers, which is often why we call ourselves a market network, because it, you know, to steal a saying from the world of raising children, they say it takes a village, right? And it actually, if you think about raising a business, starting a business, it's very difficult and it actually takes more than one person. So how, how do you pull in those pieces of the puzzle? And I'm talking about the businesses themselves. I'm talking about their accountants, their advisors. I'm talking about the banks, the financial services institutions that are funding them. How can we pull all those things together? So what we've done is we've gone to market with what we call an automated financial assistant for small, medium-sized businesses and their financial partners that takes the complexity away from managing sort of cash and capital requirements for the end business while giving better access, permission-based access to the data necessary to price the risk to the financial services institution, essentially sort of fixing the plumbing between these two entities. And I, I think we're doing it in a unique way that maybe we've seen some innovation in the retail side, but on the business banking side, we haven't seen this sort of a proposition because it's more complex. You're talking about fragmented data. You're talking about businesses that are limited companies that come with a certain amount of risk associated with them. And uh, you know, we really have their best interests in mind. And as small businesses ourselves, uh, sort of we understand their problems. During your presentation, you showed a chart from McKinsey that showed the 10 cents on the pound payoff that the banks are getting from their small and medium enterprise clients. And so given your solution, once implemented, how does that move the needle for that ratio? So I was really giving a long-term view of where I think the industry is going. Developments, regulatory developments like open banking, I think are crucial to unlocking the value that sits in the data and the financial data that has been traditionally stuck in databases, whether that's in a bank or in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. And what we do is we sort of sweep across the different core data sets necessary to price the risk. And if we can actually link directly to those data sets, i.e. bank data, accounting data, budget data, and other indicators that are used to sort of score and price risk, if we can actually pull those things together, then we can connect those not only to the financial institutions so that they can better service and deliver financial products to their business and commercial customers, but actually we can link it to debt issuances and in turn to the capital market side. So the other interesting development that's happening over the course of the next sort of 12 months is new regulation coming out in Europe where the European Central Bank is asking for banks to offer simple, transparent, and standardized debt issuances in the capital markets. And that's because banks tend to lend to the SME segment off their balance sheet, which is an increased risk for them to hold that debt on their balance sheet rather than distributing that risk on in the capital markets. So how can you make it simple, transparent, and standardized? It's by linking it to the underlying data assets, which I've talked about. So what, in a longer term, do I think we believe that this opening up of these data and removing some of the fragmentation will actually help the first stage of getting more debt in the market to the right companies so that they can grow, but in turn, distributing that debt to multiple parties, thereby reducing the risk for the banks, allowing them to recapitalize their balance sheets, and then in turn, invest more in these businesses that are really making a difference to the economies across 
across Europe. And this, by the way, is not only a European problem, this is a global problem. It's just that I think Europe has been very advanced in their regulatory policies that have really allowed businesses like ourselves to, to grow and flourish. You mentioned data, you've mentioned the words link and connect, and I notice in the Motive uh, lookbook describing Fractal Labs under key technologies, it mentions NoSQL. Hmm. Can you elaborate on that? And I guess I'm leading, and the underlying question is, are you using graph database or any other flavor of that in your technology? We use a suite of open source tech um, pulled together, and the reality of data these days and the databases that are available is that I think if you set them up correctly and you make them sort of able to scale with the amount of data that you have, which you can at a fairly low cost these days, I think uh, it's just a matter of choice. Our view on tech is that you you select open source technology that is not bleeding edge, that has enough of a community uh, behind it that you know that it's going to be supported, but it still allows you the flexibility and, and scope to scale and grow. And I think one of our main challenges has not been the selection of the technology that we have, but it's about working with the financial services institutions that tend to have a lot of legacy tech. So I will leave it there. Um, our decisions around our technology architecture have been done by our CTO and co-founder who spent many years at Google building very scalable solutions. Couldn't help myself to ask about Graph, but also uh, it mentions deep learning neural net. And again, you mentioned during the presentation that you were using open source that you were creatively and intelligently integrating. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great model personally, but uh, you know, reasonable minds can differ. Mm -hmm. So are you in the deep learning neural net space also using open source? Yeah. So these algorithms are available, right? It's how you pull them together, um, how you train them. And what we've done is ensured that when we're mapping this data that we get on a permission basis, that we're mapping it correctly, which allows us to then do some interesting things with it. All the algorithms that we've selected are open source algorithms. It's how you put them together, how you train the models, that it really makes a difference. That's why I think you could probably say that the you know AI and machine learning, there is an advantage now in if you understand how to use them properly, use those tools properly, but over time, you know, you see what Google and Amazon are doing. They're encouraging more and more people to have access to those open source algorithms. And as a result, I think it's going to become commonplace and you're going to see really that proliferate. So yeah, absolutely. It's the proprietary combination of all these things that I think is where the secret sauce comes into play. You mentioned earlier that you sit between the SMEs as well as the banks. Do you see any particular threats or opportunities with the financial institutions? Yeah, I guess open banking has meant that the customer could get pulled away from the bank. And I think that a really good example is if you think about yourself and why you tend to go to the bank, you go to the bank to do payments or to access a financial services product, but payments is the, really the one that keeps you there on a regular basis. And with PSD2 and uh, the fact that you can get a payment initiation service provider license, that could take that payment interface away from the bank and sort of put them in the background, which um, strategically could be a risk to them, especially if there are other players that start offering core financial products like lending. And that then will eat away into their top line revenue and their core revenue. And so I think it's important that banks 
improve their service levels. And I think that's what we're focused on is giving them a good interface in the form of a natural language bot that has a lot of intelligence in the background, better service their customers to maintain that customer relationship so that they are the top choice for a financial services product when that business requires it. So I think the the threats are that they are going to be forced into um, to steal a saying from the telco world, a dumb pipe, um, and these over-the-top players like the Googles have done uh, uh, in the world to the telcos, in order to maintain that core relationship with the user, I think they need to improve their service levels. That is an opportunity because businesses like us can innovate faster than they could internally. So that's where we are sort of helping them fill that gap because they do play an important role in, in society. Excellent. So where do you plan on taking Fractal Labs next? The reason I'm asking, and I, I jumped on myself, from the presentation and from our, our background research, it sounds like you're getting great traction already. You're already at a whole bunch of registered businesses and, you're, and you have a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. What's next for Fractal Labs? Well, I think Europe is a really um, interesting market because of the regulatory changes here. Obviously, the U.S. is a much bigger market as a single market. But I think we are focused on doing a really good job in the UK right now and then bringing it to the wider European market opportunistically. This is a global problem, but it's a regulated industry. It is uh, complex when you start looking at data sources that vary on a market-by-market -market basis. So I think we need to manage our growth but do it in such a way that, you know, I really do believe that an investor in China should be able to invest in a UK business if given the opportunity. Right now, that opportunity is very difficult to, to identify. And I think over time, if you start weaving together the data with the right partners, that that will become a possibility. I'm going to say in 10 years, capital markets will be connected to the real economy. And we hope to play a, a significant role in that by being that data layer and partner of these financial services institutions. Excellent. Nick, thank you so very much for joining us and really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.